Welcome to Stand at the Table. We are friends in community, part of a church called Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Despite our many differences, we aim to stay at the table, which means we don't walk away from each other when we disagree. We believe the best relationships come when we are willing to listen to each other, showing love even when we continue to see the world differently. In today's episode, we talk and explore the topic of church and empire. We think through what are the positives and the negatives of oppression or being oppressed that the church experiences we go through today's life. Hopefully you enjoy. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so happy that you joined us for another episode. I'm here with the elder Matt Kissler. Hey, everyone. And the elder Janice Beatty. Hello, everybody. And the fantastic Dave running sound for us to make sure everything goes smoothly. So fantastic. Well, continuing in our tradition of icebreakers. Since Pastor Tracy isn't here. Yeah. 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 So if you were not doing the job you're doing today, what is one of the jobs you would have done? What is your career? What does it look like? Go like mad. at any point in time? At any point in time. Could have been okay. when you were little, could have been when you are in college. What is the alternative version of you? Mm. Where are you? Yeah. My, my college me, I was thinking, I was an economics major, and I wanted to be a policy advisor to the president. Oh, of course. You know, eventually. Yeah. It might take a couple steps, but... <laughs> I don't know. I I'd watched a lot of West Wing growing up, and I just <laughs> and and I was just like, I want to be one of those people, like making decisions. I, I didn't want to necessarily be the person in charge, yeah, but the person that could could sway the person. In You're charge. in the room, in the room where it happened, so to speak. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Janice. Oh, this is easy for me. Um, I would have been a dancer. Mm-hmm. I would have been a dancer in my in my alternate life. I am a dancer, um, and I would also be, um, which I kind of I get to I actually get to do some of what I would have done. Okay, right, like in my current role, right. So. Um, I would have been a dancer. I would have been a public speaker. I get to do some of that. I would have been um, an event planner. Mm, I get to do some of that. So I guess I'm kind of doing what I would have done anyway. Okay. Yeah. Just without the big title. Just without the big title. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, One version of me would have been the minister of tourism for the Bahamas. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, your wife is questioning your choices now. No, I'm not. I'm not. We have a whole story that we don't have enough time to to talk about. That's another episode. But I would have been the Minister of Tourism for the Bahamas. Wow. That's that's me. You can see it, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, I think I got it all together. I mean, the other one I was thinking for you was shoe model. Like, I love (laughs) your shoes. Okay. Yeah. I can get with that one, too. We got to continue to bring these up. Alternative me's. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> ah, well, it's good because I like getting to know people and just where they thought over time and um, how we relate and how we got to the individuals we are today. So for today's episode, I, w- I want us to talk about 
a broad category, and then we'll narrow it down. So the broad category is church and empire. And I'm using the word empire in terms of power, organizational, structural power. Mm -hmm. The church and structural power. Uh, I think if you talk to different denominations, different individuals, the concept of how closely the church is integrated with power varies greatly. There are some that say, hey, you know, we're the outcasts. Look at, and they'll give their examples. And then there's others who will look historically and just follow through, let's say, through the Reformation and on and on and on, where if you were a citizen of a various country, determined your religion. Mm -hmm. It was not your individual decision. So all of that or that broad range of understanding is out there, which leads to a question based on just your thought, your reflection. Is the church the oppressed or the oppressor for the things that you see around marginalized people? Shoot. Is is okay, let me see. Is the church the oppressed or the oppressor? Or the oppressor around marginalized groups. people, right? Because what's influencing that is if you think the church is integrated with empire, with power, structural power, then the structures that are oppressing people are actually church structures. But if we're totally outside of empire, outside of power, then they're independent. How do you construct that? Okay, so. And give your your, your perspective that you're giving your answer. So are you giving your perspective as generic Christian or African-American woman who's followed the Christian faith? Oh, Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going, mm, I'm going to give my perspective as an, I have to, it's the only way I can is as an African American woman who follows the Christian faith. I didn't grow up claiming a religion, if you will. I mean, I was, I went to Catholic church, you know, I, so I, or not Catholic church, but Catholic school. So I always had religion and God in my life in some generic fashion. Um, but when I became a Christian, I, I, I didn't come up in that kind of legacy or pedagogy, right? So, mm-hmm. so I look at it a little bit as an out, not, not really an outsider, but someone who wasn't like steeped, mm-hmm. right? I didn't come from like a, a church going family and all that kind of stuff. So the way I look at it is the church is an oppressor for the most part. Okay. And a church and the church, the big church is part of the power structure. Um there's no other way for me to look at it really. I was smiling a little bit because the I, I feel like today everybody wants to be a victim. Right? And everybody can talk about how they're oppressed. Um, and I even hear Christians talk about 
Christians in Western culture, let's say, saying we're an oppressed group. And that just cracks me up because we're not. Um, But so looking at it from as an African-American woman, the church is part of that system that has, you know, we kept women out of the pulpit. We kept, um, you know, uh, African-Americans from, you know, being fully recognized as citizens of the United States. We, you know, the, the church, um, um, you know, subjugated and eliminated Native Americans. You know, I mean, we have been part of, we, the church, have been part of that power structure, at least in the United States and, and prior to, um, from, the, from its inception. Okay. Yeah. So from my personal white male background, I I was fully seeped, steeped like a well-used tea bag <laughs> <laughs> in in the in the church culture from from the beginning. I think so first of all I wanted to think about what does it mean to be oppressed as as one mm-hmm. way of kind of grounding that. Um, I think of it in terms of dehumanizing other people. That's usually kind of where I land. You know, if you are stripping away the, you know, from a Christian perspective, the God-given identity that mm-hmm. someone has as, as, as human, when you interact with them, that's fundamentally oppression. Mm-hmm. I would agree that the church has often in many contexts played that role. I think with when we talk about oppression, I often think about it not as a kind of like a dual, but there's a multiplicity. Mm-hmm. So for example, when, when we lived in Kenya, there were so many layers of, let's say, dehumanization. If we take away the word oppression – you know, you had one tribe that was seen as less by the other tribes. Mm-hmm. You had people of different races viewing, you know, so white people primarily viewing black people as less. Mm-hmm. You had within a tribe men thinking of women as less. Within, you know, mm-hmm. in there you have young women being thought of as less than older women. And, you know, so it was a cascading multiplicity of dehumanization. And so I mention all that because I think it's hard to say one or the other. I think, and, and I don't mean to kind of like duck the question, mm-hmm. but I think any institution, it will probably play both roles or, or has the opportunity to play both roles. Yeah. Um, and just because it has been or continues to be an oppressor in some way, even to today, there is the potential and possibility for it to also rehumanize anti-oppression, whatever that might look like, yeah. people through its work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I've been uh, turning this question over in my head and thinking of it from the perspective that I grew up in, Right. So African-American male steeped in religion, um, a very uh, uh, 
Pentecostal, uh, uh, very rule-based. And Christianity or uh, the church uh, was you or religion, let's say, was used as a mechanism to overcome the oppression that existed. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it, it becomes interesting that one, if I process it now as an adult, that one form of Christianity in religion is being used to overcome the oppression of another form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And there is this duality that's always happening of existing in both spaces or Christianity or the church is being utilized mm-hmm. to perform these tasks versus letting religion or the church that Jesus wanted to be what it should be. Does that make any sense? Right? Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't create or connect himself with power. He was power, but never connected himself with structural power. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see over and over again of him trying to undo power structures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But right now, um, church and empire has kind of gotten together and can do some dangerous things. Um, which leads me to the um, next question, or I want you guys to give your thoughts about, is what role or what has history taught us about the occasions when church and empire get together? Hmm. <laughs> what has it taught us? I mean, I, I mean, you could start with Constantine, right? Mm-hmm. You know? So, I mean, mm-hmm. from the very beginning, there were, there was at least some period where you could at least imagine that the church wasn't aligned with empire. And then Constantine, I mean, there's still arguments. What Was he really about the church? Was he about the way of Christ? Or did he just use that as a political tool? You know, this isn't something new. You know, people, right. politicians right. didn't just figure this out today. They figured it out in Rome. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the Holy Roman Empire moving forward. Um, Even the call it the Holy Roman, Roman Empire. Empire. Right. You know, we were we were in Rome not too long ago, and we learned that what was it? It was it was when when Rome fell, they actually gave they they sold or gave all of the structures and everything to the Catholic Church, and so they owned. All of that. They owned the Colosseum. They owned everything, right? And and it and so it was that political partnership, if you will. Um, you know, even back then. Yeah. So I mean, I guess for me, the the allure is that with power you can bring change. And like you, you know, how do you you know, there are some Christians who who kind of say, "Well, that power is going to is fundamentally evil, so we need to separate. You know, be non committed, non non entities in the political sphere." And I think some Anabaptists, kind of like the Amish or mm-hmm. Mennonites, some have historically kind of taken that role. But then, on the other hand, you see situations where 
you know, just in a previous episode, we talk about when you see something, say something like your voice is a powerful tool that you have. And if you don't use it, that can be, you know, we use the word hypocritical, that can also be a form of oppression. And so your silence, if you disengage from the the whole political sphere entirely, your silence is, is another form of support for the status quo. Mm. So it's it's almost like you're screwed both ways. Yeah, yeah. I can see the allure that people would have of saying, look at all the good we could do if we had X. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing argument that could be built in favor of. And then I go, well, how many, why do we have so many bad examples? <laughs> right? Because the theory is very powerful, right? So if we just go back to King David and say, you know, David had his women problems. And, but was the rest of it bad? Solomon had his issues, but was the rest of it bad? Right? If you rule a kingdom the right way, right? That's that's always been the calling card of religion. Yeah, but if you ruled it the right way, if you had the power to feed the hungry, make it so that housing was affordable, and on and on and on, that you had Christian principles built into the structure where resources was more plentiful, then what? It seems to me what the question that is coming to me is like all of that, right? All of that, what you said, how do we, how do we keep the corruption out or from entering in? And is it, is it a, is it, is it constantly going back and checking ourselves of, am I letting the power corrupt me? Am I letting the popularity corrupt me? Am I letting the fame or whatever, right? Am I letting that corrupt me and pull me away from what that core ministry or that core mission was about, right? If our core mission was to feed people, um, you know, but things are happening that are causing me to, step away from that or t- or to you know pat myself on the back so much that I'm the, and nobody's checking me like we talked before nobody nobody's checking me cuz I'm doing so good so you know I can we can just kind of let that slide isn't that how the empires get corrupted or get or you know become oppressors to use our original term well, you know, I mean, this is just an open thought, but it's like you said, the theory is sound, right? Because it wins every time you have a discussion, it'll win. But the examples over and over are absolute failures in most cases. And so we go, well, wait, if both of these things are true, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And so then, Janice, you were bringing out, hey, if my goal is to feed the hungry, okay, I have the power of the entire government. Not only does the government feed the hungry, they decide uh, what new technologies to get to invest in. But that's Mm -hmm. not what you are out to do. 
Right. It's not your interest. Right. Right. And, and Matt, I think in a previous episode or in another episode, you talked about when you get outside of mission, things start getting squirrely. <laughs> right. You don't really know what's going on over there. Mm-hmm. Right. You just want to feed the people. But since you're involved in the entire government, the entire empire, how much will you let things go? And this technology investment before you say, Matt, you better stop that over there. I don't care how many little kids we feed. You can't keep X, Y, and Z. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, one one um, idea that comes to mind is, is it our role not to hold the power, but witness to the power? You know, because I think that's the temptation is if we don't have the power that we withdraw. Okay. But I don't think withdrawal is, a, you know, Christ didn't withdraw. Okay. He, yeah. he, he confronted power, but he didn't grab the power. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what does it look like? Is there an option to say, we're not, we're not, as a church, we're not going to try to hold the power. And there's all kinds of issues there. Does that mean a church person doesn't run for elected office? It seems like it would be a good idea to have right. church people right. running for elected right. office. Um, but I'm just putting that, I don't even know what that would look like, but what if the church, you know, the feeding program, they can uh, witness to the government and say, there are people hungry. It is our responsibility as a nation that has so much, that has plenty, mm-hmm. to make sure they're fed. Mm-hmm. And they're going to keep persistent widowing that the government until they relent. But it's not the goal of that ministry to become the head of the health and human services department and have to kind of oversee the whole machinery and all that comes with it. Yeah. I don't know. No, I like what you were saying about the goal is not to take the powers, the witness to the power. Mm. Right? So the church isn't to take on the roles of empire. It is witness to the empire how it should perform in all of the areas that they see, right? And and I like your point when you're saying, hey, our fear is if we don't have the power, that the power would then be used against us. Right. Mm. Instead of, no, I'm comfortable and confident in the God that is in us and that the, the thing that needs to happen will happen as long as I stay true. I stay true to my mission. Yeah. And I think... I think what's scary, though, is the whole, um, so I remember being in a ministry where they said, um, it was this whole talk about, you know, we have to make sure we are influencing power towards Christian values, Mm. right? And yet the Christian values... (laughs) are marginalizing people. Mm-hmm. Right? And so again then we, we you know okay so we're we're not going to grab power but we're going to speak truth to power, Christian truth to power. We're we're but but what's but being But which truth? But which truth? Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> right? Right? So to get rid of those Christians. You, yeah. Right? So even in so even in okay so so no so even there, we still come back to that original question that you asked. Okay, am I 
Am I being oppressive? Right. Even in how I am speaking to power, influencing power towards what Jesus wants. Am I am I being inclusive mm-hmm. or am I being oppressive or exclusive? What what am I doing in that? Oh, I'm just I'm just um you know, speaking God's truth, what the Bible says. Yeah, but that's alienating people who need what God told us to give them. That's that's the quandary I find. It's truth at the expense of other fruit of the spirit, you know, peace and kindness and self-control and um, goodness, you yeah. know, like your, your truth comes at a cost. And it, I mean, I do think also though, like the, the scary, the scary role of prophet, I mean, they're weird, you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're not mainstream. They're not always listened to. They're, you know, they're doing weird things. Yeah, I remember this one. Uh, there was a group of nuns who were called uh, something like spears into plowshares, and they would go to nuclear installations and with like little hammers and start like banging on Wait, the silos. <laughs> they would bang on the silos as a prophetic witness to say, "We want to turn these nuclear weapons into something for good," like. Yeah. Couldn't you like explode that thing? No, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't so know. I'm just, I'm just to the point. Like, you can get, get some crazy, crazy yeah. profits. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that is that that becomes the the point of we don't have a good litmus test, do we? On who's the proper voice? Hmm. I keep thinking back to when Jesus is asked, "Which is the greatest commandment?" keeps coming back to honoring God, loving your neighbor as yourself. I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. right? This above all. Mm-hmm. So if anything that we propose, we wouldn't have done to ourselves, we are probably out of order. Right. Right. right? That's a really good way to look we're at We're out of order. And so with the church and empires, we do things. If it's protecting people like me, at the expense of people like someone else, I'm out of order. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm in the church. I don't think has done a good job of using the right barometers to determine if we are influencing empire, if we are a part of empire, if we are in. Uh, in Great influence at the moment. What is my governor to say I'm doing the right thing? How many times do we say, if that was me, yes, I would do this exact thing? And I think that that is the question. Like, if you look at, you know, what I, I don't, I, I don't you know, I'm trying to, I know where to end, but, you know, when I look at, slavery and say, oh, sure, I'd do that to my children. Yeah, that's God, you know? Hence the the dehumanization. Right. Right? Um, it cracks me up when people say, oh, yeah, slavery wasn't so bad. Hmm, okay, I got a few dollars in the bank. Let me know. I'll buy you. <laughs> and then 
Meaning, I not only own you, but all of your children. In perpetuity. In perpetuity. Yeah, and your labor. And every single cent of your labor. That I'm going, no, you're not thinking of the other as you. Right. right. That's the only way you can come to this conclusion. Right. Of, oh, yeah, it couldn't have been that bad. But, you know, you're right. We can, we can go on that for another hour. But it, it, that... When we try to think through, and I also like your your point, Matt, what you said earlier, Jesus didn't shy away from engaging empire. And I think that's a, a good reminder for all of us of the ways we can in, get ourselves involved in our community, uh, not only in elections, but being on boards that are uh, the organizi- organizing mm-hmm. structures for our communities and hearing your voice. Because I think if we were to take that, if we would actually live out the theory Right. Remember, we talk. The theory always wins. <laughs> we're like that's why we keep trying. We just have so many bad examples. But think if we did that, and the constant question in our mind is, if that was me, would I do that? Right. The person who gets, you know, when we do eminent domain. Well, if that was my house, would I declare eminent domain and take their property? If that was me. Would I say, um, oh, you get bussed 10 miles away when there's a school right here, if that was me? Um, and so that is uh, the question that when we look throughout history and the connection between church and empire, we seem to fall flat on our face. Any last thoughts before we wrap up for this episode? Yeah, I mean, I, it strikes me that one book that I would encourage everyone who is interested in this topic to look at is called Pedagogy of the Oppressed by a Brazilian writer who I can barely pronounce his last name. But uh, <laughs> if you look it up, I'm sure you'll find it. And he he really ends up talking about love as the response to oppression. And I hear a lot of what you were saying in that, that the only way we can move forward is if we have a paradigm of loving others. You know, th- there's just no way. You know, we will always value ourselves first, naturally. We will always respond to hurt with hurt. We will always re- reflect back the dehumanization we receive to others. And there's no breaking it without love. And that is the power of God in us, is to break that, that, that cycle, that natural way. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Janice? And and going with what you said, Matt, that is that is the challenge that we have received as Christians, as believers, right? To always go first with love, even when it's hard for us to do, even when it seems counterintuitive to to just step out in love, right? Um, so, yeah. That that is my challenge. That's my challenge. <laughs> anyway. Well, great. Well, we come to an end of another episode. I appreciate your thoughts and your time as we continue to explore the different ways that we engage both our belief systems and our existence here on earth. For those of you listening, we thank you for your time and to being with us and, and thinking about this topic. And we ask you that as you are out there as a believer in Christ, or if you're not a believer, 
to think about how do we engage the power systems that we are involved with in a positive way that helps our neighbor. And as you do that, I ask that you continue to stay at the table, even when you're faced with people that don't quite believe the same way as you. Have a great day. See y'all. Bye. Staying at the Table is hosted by Dr. Tracy Saletta, Matthew Kistler, and James Beatty, and produced by Here It Sound and Studio. Got a question or a comment or a topic you want discussed? Email us at adminccf at gmail.com. We'd love hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with new episodes coming out. And if you're feeling kind, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Find out more about staying at the table at cornerstonewestchester.com. Listener.